Blog Talk Radio. Gail Sylvia, and you are listening to Sylvia Global Radio at sylviaglobal.com. I'm so excited today to have someone very special to us um, nationally, um, but here locally, we are in the Los Angeles community meeting with a consultant, entrepreneur, and a leader in the Los Angeles faith-based community, Minister Leon Anthony. Um, Leon Anthony, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I am well, and it's a pleasure, and I'd like to thank you for inviting me. It's quite it's quite our honor. I think you have a lot of information to um, share with our audience, especially the part of our audience that represents the faith-based community and entrepreneurs. Um, talk to us about the work that you're doing and how long you've been engaged in it. Well, I'm a native of Los Angeles, so I've been heavily involved in business in Los Angeles, Ironically, uh, since my days in college when I was an accountant, which led to uh, uh, various other opportunities for me, and of which I've been in the field of real estate for the past uh, almost 30 years. Uh, but I've also been a cons- – I ran dual – I had dual businesses as a consultant, a realtor. I've also been a um, – uh, chairman of the board of a nonprofit uh, 501c in the community, uh, minister. I've just done a lot. And I also, with the um, real estate market, when it began to take a turn for the worse, I had an opportunity to start a program called Faithful Farming out of my church, but it was um, an opportunity to minister to homeowners who. Uh, were facing the loss of property, facing an opportunity, an action coming towards them that they did not know how to handle. I have extensive background in foreclosures and REOs, so I was able to be, incorporate that into a ministry that assisted not only the Los Angeles community, but several um, several states across the U.S. Explain to, can you explain to us how that service worked? It was a it was, it was interesting because when banks uh, begin to send out notices of defaults and notices of trustee sales, you had owners who were presented with documents. They had no um, knowledge of even that they existed, more or less, were forthcoming from, for them. So that we had an opportunity as many people came to the church, came to the community meetings. And so I have extensive background in that. I began to educate not only faith-based workers, but business owners about foreclosure procedures, not only in California, but in other states. And I had an opportunity to grow and develop a team of people that were able to minister and go out and talk with um, uh, not only homeowners, but community opportunities in every area that we had We had a chance to speak to begin to put give you such an, almost an equal playing field. The banks had, they, they have a, they have an attorney base that is very extensive, but if you have knowledge, then you can navigate that and know when and where and what you need to do. So, uh, give us a, a little more tangible example. So a homeowner would show up at a community meeting 
possibly held at a church, they receive correspondence from the bank about being in foreclosure. They leave the meeting with what additional tools and resources? They leave not only with who to contact. <clears throat> For instance, if you're in, if your property has not been taken back out by the bank, you would work with the workout department at a bank. Most people call the loan representatives, and they did not have the authority to make decisions. So your workout group within a bank uh, has that authority, so you we we could point them in the right direction who to contact because the bank consists of many departments, and you want you get redundancy and conflict of information depending on which department you talk speaking with. So we were able to uh, arm them with information, and not only did we arm them with information at meetings, we began to go out into the communities and knock on doors uh, because the notices were public information and offered assistance, which was highly unusual, free assistance uh, to let us assist you and give you a knowledge base of which to work from. And to, to say that people were taken aback when this began would be very interesting because they thought we were like everybody else coming to steal their property. How would you, um, how were you able to define and measure success? That's a great question. We uh, we logged in who we spoke with, where what point they were in the process, and what we did to help them, and then followed up with an action plan to make sure that they contacted the representatives for the banks. And at times, we would facilitate that as a go-between to get involved in that. So with, naturally with this, you have all kinds of opportunity. You have people that had success. One of the first people persons we dealt with was an 83-year-old homeowner who had been refinanced not only once but twice within two months, and they were very, very um, aggressive interest rate terms and that kind of thing, and so we were able to get her out of those loans and get the law enforcement community involved about the uh, loan predators that were going door to door, and we made them aware of the names, who they were, and that kind of thing, and they were able to curb that that particular group and so with with that we found that going out knocking door to door it was interesting because you had people that didn't believe that we were offering free service a church would come out in the community and offer free services and that's what we did and so once that began to spread around we began to have more success with calls and, and people coming by and then we began to be inundated with calls as the market began to change for the worse. Are you referring to this in the past tense because the program no longer exists or because the impression is that there is no longer a problem? Uh, great question. No, we, there are many other resources that have come along that do what we we did, and they provide not only legal representation, but they have other opportunities. So we don't have to try to be one all and do be one all and do it do it all from our base. We refer out when necessary to the proper organization because some organ some nonprofits have certain relationships with banks, and so we 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 try to take advantage and use those opportunities and those contacts to cut through the red tape. And so it, is, it has helped the community by several of the nonprofits beginning to work together 
to uh, facilitate homeowners in the in the stability of keeping their home. Is the eighty three old late eighty three year old young um lady that you referred to still in her home? She's still in her home and she's still going strong. And that was a lady that owned a home free and clear before those two loan predators. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. But wow. you know what? She was the beautiful thing about her, she was seasoned and she had been through some hard times before. So she was a tough she was a tough person and we, we commended her for her strength and her endurance in that process because it took a little time because it was the beginning of this fiasco that went, spread nation globally, to be honest with you, spread nationwide and then went globally because of loan securitization all the other things of those um, loans being bundled and packaged in thousands and sold to investors. The, um, I think a part of the inspiration behind the telling of this story is that this is, a perfect example of a church responding to a community need and being the face of the solution and putting the the words of their faith into action with legs on the ground. Yes, yeah, yes, and I, you, you know what? It was a wonderful opportunity. We we um we were blessed with the opportunity through accident. Uh, they came to us. I happen to have extensive background in foreclosures. Uh, and so I was asked to assist. I was asked to assist, and as one one thing began another, we began to assist people with information. And then, as we began to go out, these opportunities arose. But it's not just a church, one church that we was limited to. I trained people for all throughout Los Angeles from various churches on how to do this. I I developed procedures, and I trained. It didn't matter if you were from my church or any other church. It mattered that you had the information, you had the people that were properly trained, and as it began to spread, I, I was receiving calls from Ohio, from Colorado, from Texas, and all many other states across the country. How were you compensated? I was not compensated for that. I was not looking. The reward I get for that is because as you begin to build a re- relationship and you you tell people the truth you only have to tell the truth once because if you tell less than the truth pardon me just getting over a cold if you tell less than the truth then it w- you won't last but with me being in the real estate business I'm I'm I began began to be a very visible person just from doing that where I didn't I had walking advertisements for me. Um, this realtor knows what he's doing. He's offering his help, and we have testimonies of people he he has helped. <laughs> Excuse me. Sure, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Yes, I I uh, just getting over a cold. Um, yeah, there's a summer that summer cold season that's going around parts of you know throughout the county that a lot of people. I'm glad that you're getting over it. Um, you know, it, help us understand what the dynamics are in your particular church that you were able to mobilize people into action. It's not like your church was the only one with members in the congregation faced with this problem. What what are the dynamics that? prompted your church to step forward and, you know, move on this? Well, we um, our church has uh, it's, uh, has an extensive entrepreneur-based mem- uh, congregation, 
Um, so we have people that have been in business, myself and many others, who know that in any business you need to set goals, you need to have an action plan, and you need to have a, have solutions to the issues that come up. And if your action plan does not, a point on your action plan does not work, what are the consequences for you and what are you going to do to resolve it? We didn't limit this to one person. What we did, we had a, a whole team in the ministry that was specifically dedicated to let's try to improve this on a weekly and daily basis. Let's use some foresight and see what, because this, this the mortgage <clears throat> meltdown, per se, was not a one-time thing. The thing happens every few years except it gets worse and worse each time. It, hurt. It, it occurs about every seven to ten years at that point in time. And each time it becomes worse and worse because the terms become more liberal and the loans are made with less and less documentation, and then you have a situation that gets out of hand. So then the government reigns in credit, and they rain, tighten up credit to tone it down and to get things back in order, but then just give it a few years. And it'll happen. It'll happen again every seven to ten years. This, by far, this particular meltdown was by far the worst that had ever occurred because it had never occurred on a global basis. You had investors that were buying these uh, security loan packages that were called securitization loan securitization. They were affected homeowners, everybody, jobs, everyone, and so the government had an opportunity to really play a part in this because early in the class that I was teaching, someone asked me how, if this thing gets out of hand the way we're looking at this, how 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 is it solved? I said, the government will have to solve it. The government will have to solve it because no one bank has that kind of power or, or leverage to be able to do this. And essentially that's what happened. The government had to step in with it and, and, and set some parameters and really get this thing grounded because you had a ton of people losing homes, a ton of people on an unprecedented level. Do you think that the problem has been solved? I think they're still working on it. There are a number of kinks in the armor uh, because of the clouds of institutions, banks, and other institutions. But they're moving in it. They're moving in it slow, slowly, but they're moving in the right direction. There are some issues to work out because there still are tons of loans out there. There's still tons of loans out there that have not been foreclosed on that are in a default basis. And banks have these packages, and they're going to have to come up with a solution working with the government to get it solved. You mentioned that your church has a large base of entrepreneurs. Are there examples of how churches and how you, through your church as a, a starting point of an example, of how churches are able to support um, business owners and be, come and be a very prominent economic stimulator within the community? That's a, that's a great question. One of the ways is to do that is to begin to take advantage of the opportunities like over at the Small Business Administration, the SBA. They have extensive programs uh, that will give you training, guidance, leadership in many areas. We use those services. We allow, Our church allows them, as a few other churches do, allow those um classes to take place on site 
So you have owners, although they are busy in business and they have time slotted for certain things, they can come and get training that's convenient for them. They can come and get training in areas that they would not, they would have to drive maybe extensively to get at any other time. So you have local training available for them, and not only at our church but other churches because the SBA and other organizations have branched out and they realize that if you go out to them and educate them and get get the groups going, you have fewer problems down the road and you have more informed entrepreneurs about the opportunities available to them. There are many entrepreneurs that say, I did not, I was not aware of these programs being available once they've been informed about them. We were introduced through um, Ken Crawford at the Los Angeles um, office of the, of the SBA, and it's in preparation for a 2013 Los Angeles, um, you know, S- faith-based summit that w- the SBA will be a part of. Oh, talk about the significance of the SBA and the faith-based community. Oh, outstanding! Because the faith-based uh, community is always um, so they always have have the in terms of people we have people available the SBA has the services and the opportunities one of the problems with the faith based community is you 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 don't have a central or a local point to uh, disseminate information that will uh, for instance in this case in the faith based uh, grants with faith-based grants and faith-based programs, you don't have a central focal point where someone can get the information and disseminate it within their group. So what, what the SBA has done is they began these faith-based summits and they're building and building up on, on them. I happen to have extensive contacts from, from it, being in the business community of L.A. Uh, with both faith-based and non-faith-based entrepreneurs and people involved in the community. And so Ken Crawford and I go back 20, over 20 years, and I just love Ken and that group. They, they're great. They're, they're, they're on it there, and they, wanna, they want to give exposure and a voice to the community so they allow everyone to begin to know what these programs are, how to use them, and how they can incorporate it not only into the their churches, but into their communities and their business programs and everything, and then have begin to have people work together so they can circulate dollars around in their communities. You know, one of the frustrations that um, a lot of consumers face, um, which is similar to um, the example you gave about homeowners that were faced with foreclosure notices and, you know, information that they just weren't familiar with, is the same um, experience that business owners have when it comes to governmental agencies like the SBA. You know, they feel so overwhelmed or like there's, you know, it's a, it's a lot to maneuver through. So a big part of the value, um, in my opinion, about the services that Ken and his team and Victor Parker and Walter and Ian and those guys do there is they make it accessible and um show results. So can you share with our audience um, your experience with the SBA that are results, that show success stories that you've had um, personal experience with? Oh, sure. Um, I uh, have worked with both 
Ken and that group at the SBA, and I've developed extensive contacts from um, people being even even in the import-export business, uh, uh, local entrepreneurs, local community businesses that were there that I've steered them towards that group, and I, I steered them towards Ken and that group, and they um, were able to assist them, give them the tools they need. A lot of a lot of um, business entrepreneurs don't have time for training, believe it or not, in, in their schedule. They don't see the vision for training, so you got to educate them and bring them up to speed on QuickBooks and business plans and all marketing and all these other things that you have to incorporate. They sort of do it fragmented, and, and it should be done in foresight so you have an opportunity to incorporate it and you make adjustments as you go instead of the um, knee-jerk reaction that many businesses do. They they don't have the uh, time or the uh, dollars that they've dedicated towards uh, pre-planning, and it costs them. So with with the SBA, they're, they're, uh, many of them are not even aware of many of these programs, but Ken and, Ken and that group are doing a tremendous job, I think. Advice would you what advice would you give to a business owner who wants to utilize the services of the SBA but they don't know where to begin? Well we have the um web based opportunities that you can go to Google or any other other search engines put in SBA. Small Business Administration will give you the local offices and the satellite offices, and then you can begin to contact them and find out what training, what opportunities they have, and what inform them what I'm in this business and what opportunities are available for me. And because they have many, many uh, people with various backgrounds, there's generally someone within the local network that is in your someone or two that is in your line of business. They put you in contact with them. You begin to work with them. These are usually, um, in, in the case of SCORE, the Service Corps Retired Executives, these are individuals that I, I remember when I first worked with SCORE, the, um, <clears throat> uh, the wonderful retired executive I worked with, and I developed a wonderful report. He told me, he said, Leon, I have shoes older than you, which I love because he knew, he knew the business and the industry in, inside out. He gave me advice that I still use to this day. What's that? And I'm a soul. He, he, you know what? He said, you know what? All of the education and training does you no good if you don't take action and have an action plan. And he said, what are your consequences? I said, I don't have any consequences. At that time, I was a young full of energy, entrepreneur, I didn't have consequence. He said, you need some consequence. If I don't achieve this, what is it going to cost me? How am I penalized and what am I going to do about it? And that's a kind of interesting standpoint, you know, perspective. You know, what are your consequences and how that can fuel us in the direction of desired outcome? You know, yes. so often, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the goals, you know, setting goals, putting dates by our goals, um, having faith, and and then working the plan, you know, creating the plan and then working it. But we never, it's not very often 
that little piece is injected and there's value added to it that empowers business owners to move forward. And that's what's the consequences of not succeeding or not acting, you know, on the plan and using that as additional fuel for the fire, you know? Yeah, because some people can relate to that because of the failures that they've had that they didn't have a solution for or didn't think through. So some people really relate to that. As I speak and I tell people, ask, what are your consequences for not achieving this? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I'll get the, uh, pardon me, I'll get the, I'll get the looks, uh, the thought, you know, like I'm thinking, like, what are my consequences? You're right. like the deer in if the headlight look, yeah. Yeah, if I don't achieve this, what 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 will happen? And then what's the penalty for me and what, what am I going to do about it? So th- there's two additional perspectives on that, just that consequence piece, Leon. One is we associate in our society consequences with the word failure so often. And Yes, we do. But on the other side of that coin, failure is also an opportunity for God to reveal a bigger awareness and a bigger capability if we get back up and rework the plan and keep going. So consequences aren't necessarily a bad thing. Again, it can be for us a motivator moving us in the direction of a very, very good thing if we just keep working a plan. You're, you're, you're so correct. In my line of business, real estate, for instance, if I plan on bringing 10 new customers in a month based on cold calling, door knocking, uh, meeting people, network, whatever it is, if I don't achieve 10 that month, what are my consequences? Well, maybe I need to double my efforts. Maybe I need to dedicate more time to cold calling specific times and do that to bump that up to a level it's going to take away from some personal time I have and I'll have to rearrange the schedule that's a consequence for me but it then benefits my business because I have an opportunity to achieve my goals and some absolutely before we go we have about um, three more minutes and I'd like to give you an opportunity Leon to speak to the faith-based community and what advice you have for churches to be able to support business owners and entrepreneurs within their congregations? Oh, outstanding. One of the things I would let them know is we're all in this together. Years ago, churches were more independent function in terms of uh, the things that were going on, but because all of these programs that we for instance, the faith-based dollars and whatever. When I know some information, if I help you, you can in turn help others, help your congregation as our congregation is helped. As you help me, I help you, and we help others. We can all begin to build stronger communities as opposed to you have a little information, I have a little information, and neither one of us are really moving forward because we don't have enough information, and then we may have fear presenting our action or not having a measurement of the uh, um, the uh, yeah, the fight that's before us, so we need to as we work together, we can use good judgments, we can use these opportunities to build stronger communities, and you see that happening slowly, but a big part of that is the way the FBA using that for an example, Ken Crawford in that group is is disseminating information, trying to bring and build build relationships with these churches. 
in in in, a, in, a, in a, using that as an example. And one of the areas I love about it is because I have extensive contacts with a number of people that um, they're bringing bringing along and bringing aboard, and I speak to them about it, and they and they already know about it through one avenue or another. Through one avenue, we're all in this together. Um, yes, 2013 Los Angeles Faith-Based Summit, um, how would you define for the faith-based community and their business owners that are in the congregation, how would you define a successful, how would we measure a successful summit? We measure a successful summit by the action plans, the goals, and the teams, and the relationships that come out of it because now we have an opportunity. We've been through some rough times. We've been through some lack of knowledge times and lack of resources and that kind of thing. These things have been restructured, rehandled, and now they're being laid on the table for us to begin to build relationships, begin to work together so we can begin to run with it and build stronger communities. I see this as a golden opportunity for the economies to turn around beginning where you are. You turn your economy around beginning where you are with what you do with who you, you do it with. And so it's an opportunity for all of us to begin to grow. Well, Minister Leon Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today here on Sylvia Global. For those listeners who want to get in touch with you and begin to implement within their churches some of the things that you've experienced and described, how can they reach you? Oh, great. Uh, They can email me at leon-a for Anthony, leon-a at pacbell, P-A-C-B-E-L-L dot net. Or I can be reached by phone at 323-253-4191. Again, 323-253-4191. This broadcast is available on sylviaglobal.com radio, also on iTunes under a podcast. We ask the listeners, this was valuable information. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and we look forward so much, Leon, to having you back again on Sylvia Global. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure, and I would look forward to the opportunity. Okay, you take care of that cold so it doesn't come back, okay? Enjoy your summer. All right, bye. I will. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And God bless everyone.